Welcome to the Digital Ecology Podcast. Here we create a window into the backstory of technology adoption in England's National Health Service. I'm your host, Victoria Betton. Welcome to the Digital Ecology Podcast. Today, I'm really delighted to have founder and CEO of Ethical Healthcare Consulting with me, the very fabulous Thomas Webb. Thomas, lovely to have you with me. Thank you very much, Victoria, and hello. Uh, this is my first ever podcast uh, experience, so uh, hopefully I'm not going to do too badly. Well, hopefully it's not such an awful experience. You never do one again. Um, so, Thomas, today I want to hear all about your journey um, with Ethical Healthcare Consulting. I know that you've got a mission to do a very different type of consulting with the NHS. You started life I think in sort of project management, IT project management, you got to the heady heights of programme director in the NHS, you did a stint of consulting back in the NHS, in NHS England, and um, now you have ethical and you also lecture at Newcastle University's business school, which I'm very curious about as well. Um, and we met in the very early days of Ethical. I think I set up um, Habitat in 2014. You set up Ethical in 2016. And I think we met around that time. And I've witnessed with amazement the stratospheric rise of your organisation. So, Thomas, first of all, tell me what drives you. Really candidly, or really quite crudely, it's making a difference, changing things, progressing things. So, so I have a, a core belief that everything can be improved. That, you know, that's the way the world works. Everything we do can always be better. It can always be improved. And, yeah, I, and, and years ago, when I was sat in the consultancy space, I, I realised that actually, yeah, consultancy could be improved. There was a better way to do things. Yeah, so that's what I set out to do, really, is to do, have a good think and, and try and make things better for the consultancy and for the NHS. And what did you think or what did you see that was wrong with the world of consultancy? Because digital transformation is awash with consultants helping the NHS try and do some of this stuff well. So what wasn't working well that you saw and wanted to change? Yeah, I think I think a misalignment of interest. So ultimately, if you want to buy something, whoever's making that thing wants to sell it to you at the highest price they can as a customer you want to buy it at the lowest price that you can. And there's always that that tension. And, you know, I just, I saw it in interactions with the, with the private sector and the NHS. The NHS is just concerned with patient care. It's all it, all it wants to do, quality of care. Completely the other end of the spectrum, there's a drive to make, uh, to make money for, for, for profit. And that's, and that's inbuilt in the UK, you know, that the, there's a responsibility to make, you know, to, to drive profits for shareholders. And it causes some perverse behaviours sometimes where people put profit over over quality of care. And as an ex-NHS employee, it just didn't, it just doesn't sit well with me. It, it didn't sit well with me. And I just thought, actually, what if you aligned the interests of an organisation with the interests of the NHS. And there wasn't this conflict. You know, our agenda was the NHS's agenda. There is no difference. We are both trying to do the same thing. There is no conflict. And so I sort of did an experiment, um, which was ethical, to, to see what happened. 
So describe that experiment to us and, and tell and just explain what is what is different about ethical other than the name. <laughs> what's different about what, what makes ethical ethical? The, the experiment was, yeah, what, what if you design a company that, that has no interest in profit? It just its sole interest is in impact and it has that um, that alignment of, of interests. And actually, I guess the hypothesis was, if you create that company, might it be a competitive business model or as competitive a business model um, as the traditional kind of focus on, on profits and margins? And, and, and could it compete or could it outcompete? And that was what I wanted to test. And it was very interesting because I'd give no, I gave no thought to what would happen if it if the hypothesis was proven and it worked and i just wanted to see if it worked and and now it's it's working and i yeah i still don't really know what i'm like oh god oh god it's oh god it's working and it, and it's great but it, it's been a lesson learned kind of I've, I've hung on um for for dear life so i so i think what is what is different about ethical and what what makes ethical ethical is is those is that is the values really and that alignment to values and 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 we it's not just talk uh we you know we walk the walk as well we recently donated uh 50% of our profits to uh to charities because frankly again we we've, we've done that we did a little bit better than we expected to and we've made more money than we expected to and you know our values are that that money will do more impact because we're all impact driven the impact will be greater if we give it out uh to the community to charities than if it's sat in our bank account um yeah so let's just just unpick this profit thing then because as as a managing director as a ceo of a company you have a responsibility to your employees to sustainability to be a successful company and so i guess you have to make a profit but it's it, is it about making a proportionate profit then and charging day rates that are sort of fair and, and reasonable? And then, and then, as you say, reinvesting in your employees, reinvesting in sort of wider social good as well? Yes, yes. So it's not, it's not exploitative is, is the key, I think. So the profit has a purpose and that purpose is growth and the reason we want to grow is a higher impact, more impact. And, and that really goes to the heart of what we do. We, we will only ever charge for the work that we've done, nothing more. We give, you know, we, we, we give refunds to customers uh, for if, if we don't need the money. And, and really, it's even so much about sharing the profits, as you say, with society. So even then we're sort of impact driven and and making sure that we spread wealth, frankly, um, throughout society uh, and avoid the trickle down model, which again I think is exploitative. It's my it's my own personal view, but this idea that what you do traditionally with a business is you bring, especially in consultancy, is you bring permanent employees in, uh, you you add a margin on top of them, which is much greater than if you use associates or freelancers, and you make more money, and then you sell it, and you go off and buy a yacht. And that and that benefits 
you because you've got a yacht doesn't benefit your employees who have who have slogged their guts out for you and you put a lovely margin on them doesn't yeah support them at all uh and in fact you're selling the company from underneath them our model and our view is that actually again that we find that exploitative so instead we're moving to a position of employee ownership where um the employees who do slog their guts out and help us with our growth their reward is the company. It's theirs. They built it. It's their company. And you went down the community interest company route, didn't you? But there's also B Corps, there's social enterprise. What was what was your rationale? I'm just I'm just thinking that our listener might be thinking about setting up their own company or have their own company and, and want to think about how to sort of bake in that social purpose. Has that been the right vehicle? Yeah, it's really interesting. So we did, we started off as a CIC, baked in as not-for-profit, and it's been a really interesting journey for me. And so I'll say, say from the outset that we now have two arms. We have the CIC and we have the limited company. Um, the main reason for that is that the CIC, well, it can be employee-owned, but it has no value um, it can't be sold. It really is what the CIC means. Um, and so, you know, we would have been giving uh, our staff, you know, our team an inheritance that, uh, that has no value. So so we realised that we had to move to a limited uh, company in order for, for that to happen. The other element is I started off with a really purist view of, of a CIC and said, OK, you know, I'm going to build this thing and it's going to be totally for good and it can't be sold. You know, I can't I can't profit from this personally. This and 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 actually I realized over time that I was being exploitative to myself. Starting a company the first few years, bloody hard work. Mm. And there's a lot of personal risk taken, you know, overdrafts of tens of thousands of pounds that I would have been liable to pay back if the company had failed. And you do everything. And, and and it's all on you. And I realised that what I would have done is built, taken of all, all of that risk um, and actually not had any reward at all. And, and, you know, and a lot of people have benefited, you know, it's great from ethical success, but, but I, I would have been exploiting myself. So, so I recognise that actually it is fair and just that there is some, um, you know, financial reward um, for, you know, for the effort that everyone's put in. So the employees in the early years, they're all going to get a financial reward. The company, they have equity in the company as well. And I thought, well, if, if they get it, then it's fair that, that, I, that I get it as well. So, so yes, we've moved to the limited um, company uh, model, but we're still maintaining the CIC as a, as a for good um, and and as well as um, as well as having the right model and vehicle and doing the right thing, you also need to have really high quality consultancy services. And I do realise that. I, I mean, probably the whole world knows, and every listener knows. But just just say what what ethical does, because I haven't actually asked you that quite specific question. It's obviously about digital health, because that's the that's the topic of the podcast. But just say um, it, it, briefly ethical sort of remit, and then a bit about how do you get those really high quality services to the NHS? Yeah, so so yeah, we're, we're, we're a specialist digital health uh, consultancy and, and, and we're advisory, um, meaning for, you know, anyone that's not into consultant kind of um, 
bullshit bingo is um we do a lot of you know basically offering advice strategy um things like investment cases implementation services technical ad- advice designing things really um not too many sh- shiny powerpoint slides luckily we're, we're quite sort of um grounded i think in 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 reality in that in that sense um yeah we don't we don't do sort of body shopping um again that's not that's not our core competency and yeah it's a bit of a gray area that recruitment space um so so yeah we 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 focus mainly on clinical systems eprs electronic patient records for uh, again jargon jargon busting um as well as data there's a that goes hand in hand the more digitization you see in health the more data it throws up and so you know if you're going to be digitizing something you also need to be doing something with the data and, and, and getting value from it so we focus in those two areas and and we on a real drive at the minute which is probably where i get my most passionate um, and i know actually it's a passion shared by you victoria but um around the the, the human element of of digital transformation and actually this thing people I'm bored of saying it or I'm bored of listening to people say it actually is it's not about the technology it's about the people and then we still churn out the same tired approaches and methodologies that that aren't about the people so we're really uh, pushing ahead with um, sort of behavioral science and user-centered design and trying to do something new and different in the digital health space where we it's not lip service to we're taking a, a rigorous sort of um, scientific structured approach to engaging humans. So you'll probably want to edit this out because I wax lyrical about this stuff. But yeah, I was talking last night about how we all talk about digital and digitally enabled transformation. And actually, I think we need to stop it and just call it transformation because all we're trying to do is change behavior. You don't need to call it digital. Uh, digital is just, it's everywhere. It, it's in all of our lives now. And actually, I think there's a danger, especially around inclusion, around design, you know, thinking that we're special and, and this is special skill or, or, or discipline because, you know, electricity is everywhere, but no one talks about electrically enabled transformation. So we, we've moved past that now. So yeah, so I I'm I'm really um, I'm really keen that we just get back to first principles on this and just realise that what we're trying to do is change people's behaviour. Digital, digital might be involved; it might not. It don't. I don't think it matters. Yeah, and, and I'm t- as you know, Thomas, I'm more than with you there. So digital in the background, enabling and supporting, but not um, front and centre. And we we do tend to fetishise it, I think, at the moment, which is probably just about where where we're at in that um, I don't know that learning curve in the NHS. Thomas, what mistakes have you made? What have you got horribly wrong in that ethical journey that you wish you hadn't done or would do differently next time? That is a humdinger of a question. Every strength that you have is also a weakness. So, so one of the one of the things that that I have that has made me set up ethical is is real conviction in in my own ideas, my own values, and my own thoughts. And it's probably led to me sort of being the, the CEO of the, of the company, you know, fight founding it and all of that kind of stuff. But you know, as a result, I, I have a 
have a tendency to be quite blinkered and not to, to seek a whole range of views on things. So I think that's led to a number of missteps um, or or missed opportunities, moreover. Um, you know, of, 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 yeah, perhaps going in one direction and taking it basically a giant circle and realizing I've come back to the place that I've started and wasted a lot, wasted a lot of time. So, uh, yeah, I, I think one of my sort of flaws is just a, a lack of um, listening, frankly. Um, so I think that's you know, ethical has been you can't ever. The journey you, you you've taken is the journey that you've taken, and you and you and you can't you know it's you're you are you, who you are is a result of all of all of that kind of stuff, and that's called a result of all of the missteps. But there, there's it's basically been crossing the river by feeling the stones, and some of those stones have been quite slippery, and uh, it stretched the metaphor, kind of led into some rapids, and we you know you have to you have to come back from things. So there's been a hell of a lot of experimentation going on and, and trial and error and just trying to work out um, what what works. I'm, I'm desperately thinking how I can extend that metaphor really <laughs> further um, because I want to ask you what's next for ethical. So, you know, you've been in those rapids. Um, I can't, there were stones in there. There were pebbles. I can't remember. But what's what's next for ethical? Where, where, do, you, where do you want to get the company? I know you're going to go down this employee ownership mm. uh, model. So what, what's next for ethical and what's next for you, Thomas? You know we're doing we're doing very well and um so there's a few more years of growth for us and this is so boring um but standardization so so we, we need to be professionalizing ourselves so we, we're, we're we're a we're a very able bunch of people but you know we, we need to be able to scale we're in that scale up place um and and so that's our that's our current real focus is is scaling and building an employee base, um, and again, that what that enables us to do is um, is actually you know retain organisational knowledge and all all of that good stuff. Just a much more stable organisation, and ultimately the um, the aim of all of this, as I said, come back to it, is impact. And you know, if we want to, and we fully intend to. Um, continue to give half of our profits to charity and if we continue to do that we hopefully over the next few years will give uh, about a total of a million pounds which is something i'd be very happy with on on my deathbed uh having having achieved that so so there's there's that you know in the pure sense of you know ethical the, the company and and how we might operate but the the interesting thing for me is shifting the market so what i really really want to achieve is for us to continue to to to, to frankly compete and, and in many cases out compete with the traditional models of of business and for others to look at us and go what are they doing that's leading this success and just start copying it um, start being more altruistic operating as an altruistic business model isn't a failure actually at all you can you can have your cake and eat it you can be you know have a positive societal impact and you can make profit and you can do all of these things and you can have happy staff and and you can be successful and you can grow all of these things are achievable and i just i would love that and, and the really nice things we're already seeing it actually we are already seeing 
um, you know, competitors in the space starting to emulate certain elements of, of the way. And, 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 you know, if I get hit by a bus and I've shifted the market for the better, then, then I can die happy. Thank you so much, Thomas. It's, it's wonderful to hear your story. And you have done something and are doing something really interesting. And I think you're probably as successful as you are because people in the NHS who are focused on patient care and so on and so forth get, get what you're trying to do. And, and you obviously attract a really... Actually, I was just about to say, I ought to declare my interest that I'm an associate of ethical. <laughs> I was just about to say you attract brilliant people and I'll have to include myself in that now. Um, Thomas, before we finish, one last question for you. Um, thinking about um, digital transformation, thinking about your customers, your NHS customers, what's the one thing in terms of a step change that you would like to see? Maybe one thing that's quite modest that could have uh, or kickstart a big change. So what, what's the change that you would like to see in the NHS that would start to make a real shift of the dial in terms of digital transformation? So uh, I, you haven't actually paid me to say this, but um, user-centred design <laughs> um, and, and and design thinking. So, you know, in, in, I have a fairly basic brain and, and I, you know, I'm not I'm not educated in user-centered design or, 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 or anything in that space. But what I do know is that if you don't understand user needs, anything you do from that point will be wrong. Technology works as designed. It's just not designed properly. That's that's where the failure comes in. And, and people spend tens of millions of pounds on technology stacks without understanding the user needs and they don't spend any money on the user needs so what you've got let's say you've spent 30 million pounds on some shiny infrastructure or something or a system and you've essentially kind of bought a massive bazooka or a huge gun and you're pointing it in the wrong way you're not you know you're pointing in the wrong direction and if you just spent a fraction of that money just understanding really understanding um, what your what your users of, of the service actually want and the way they want it to work, it could be completely revolutionary in in the NHS. And it just there just isn't coming back to your actual question. There just isn't the culture yet in you know in design thinking, but it is happening. Um, you see more and more discussions around it, and, and this will be one of them. Just just more and more noise and and people. Sorry, Borders Partnership, a really interesting trust to watch. They are building a whole team around that uh, that ethos so so it is happening um and yeah so that's the revolution I, I really want to see Thomas I couldn't agree with you more unsurprisingly listen thank you so much for um joining me for this conversation it's been fantastic um having you on the program thank you thank you very much pleasure thank you for listening to the digital ecology podcast Please like, subscribe and review via the usual channels. My book Towards a Digital Health Ecology is available via Amazon and you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Medium at Victoria Betton.